What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dear Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today, sitting down with Chad Malott, the man who shot the clean 10 in the first mature buck at the playground. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Chad and I are recounting a hunt we had. We spent four days last week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, spent hunting at the playground, which is what we call our land. And um, and on the last day, the, or the Thursday night, Chad was able to get a great buck down. And we're going to recount that story because it's a great story, um, especially with the upcoming rut and cruising scenarios and everything like that. It'll be really good to kind of talk about this because there's, there's plenty of kind of like quote unquote grind. Like we didn't see shit a few times <laughs> and we sat a lot. So um so yeah, we're gonna talk through that, and then even after uh, after Chad's first arrow flew, meaning there is a second arrow, <laughs> there is still some some wild stuff going on. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, which we covered just before this, yeah, that buck did come in. Um, Chad, well, I guess to back up a second, um, we were down there at the playground, and let me just, I'm sorry. I usually have a good timeline to these, like how I'm going to lay this out. <laughs> and I'm like jumping all over the place. First of all, thank thank our partners. Thank Onyx Maps. Um, go check those guys out. Private Public Land Boundaries. Vector Arrows. Go look at those guys. If you guys need some arrows, you're losing arrows, your broadheads aren't tuning right, whatever it is, go talk to those guys. Vector Custom Shop. And then lastly, Venado. They make some phenomenal lifestyle apparel clothing, have some really nice warm weather fleeces, things like that, plaid fleeces that you guys can wear this fall. Go check out those guys. Super nice people um, and great partners of the show. So with that out of the way, I think the, yeah, the idea was essentially like late October, hunt the rut. We -hmm. did, Chad's been helping me all summer. We had Dylan Lenz from Whitetail Habitat Solutions come in. In the spring, you weren't able to make that. You had something no. going on. Yep. Um, but after that, started doing some property improvements. Um, water holes, scrapes, cutting out trails, re- relocating some stands. Um, food plot. Yep, food plot. Yep, yep. Cleaned out a food plot, little food plot, which is hilarious because <clears throat> when Chad shot this deer, he told his son, <laughs> I, shot, I shot the deer, and, uh, and his son goes, did you, did you, what did he say? Did you shoot it by the water or where we put the seed down? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And then he gave me a confused look of when I said neither. He was like, what do we do all that work for? (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. So, um, so yeah, we put in, put in a food plot, put in some water holes, cut some trails out, relocated some stands and Chad helped me a lot with that. Um, so yeah, we, we planned like, let's go down there, especially if we're looking at, at scrapes and water holes let's try to get these pre-rut bucks because you know during the rut there is a piece of public one property away um a good chunk of public which is definitely hunted so we wanted to try to get something down on the ground which chad was able to do i was not and there were some good bucks that we we had three good bucks on camera that are still all living (laughs) yeah as far as we know they're all they're all living so that was the idea get down there and we had a cold front rolling that mm-hmm. was the main big big weather system. Yeah, that was, was like what thirty mile an hour winds and storms mm-hmm. like the Monday, Sunday Monday going right before we left. Yeah, yeah, it stopped Monday night, 
and we rolled out Tuesday morning. Yeah. We hunted Tuesday afternoon was our first set. So the idea was late October, pre-rut, cold front. We knew where the scrapes, the heavy scrapes were. We knew where our mock scrapes were. We knew where the water was. We knew where the food was. And the idea was to go there and try to capitalize on all that. And it kind of worked out that way. <laughs> we didn't get them on the food or the water. And the scrapes worked, but not the scrapes we wanted to work. But Yeah, but I mean, I, I think the biggest intel piece that we had is there are five cellular cameras on the property, yeah. which really helped understand patterns. And like, yes. you know, sitting at the desktop, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in between meetings, you can pop open your cell cams and be like, okay, this is where things are hitting. This is how they're hitting it. You know, it went from literally as we were there, right? The cell cams turned from all nighttime picks to, to starting getting day walkers, like early morning bucks, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. And then we started getting like 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. shots of like mm -hmm. daytime deer. So it was actually kind of really cool. I don't know. It's my first year really of like using cell cams kind of religiously yeah. like and it it was interesting like you could see like the buck starting to ramp um throughout that pro like throughout the week at, right right when we were up there because early in the week they weren't there yet like they were there they were no. just dark dark pics right and then all of a sudden it started like clicking on as it went yeah and to your point yeah maybe the water and the mock scrapes or scrapes where we had stuff wasn't producing but other cameras showed where there was activity and and we adjusted right like yeah that's pretty yeah that's exactly i mean yeah because before it was warmer weather and that was that big cold front mm -hmm. so i wasn't like super per like personally i was like well nighttime picks are sound about right but then all of a sudden that cold front hit and then we hunted tuesday night and i think wednesday morning yeah wednesday morning we got out of the stand you got out of the stand so basically how this how this whole process laid out was we got there and uh there's a great buck on the west side of the farm this 11 point um that we were hunting and then there's a really cool looking buck on the east side of the farm and i made the decision like when we got there i was like hey i'm gonna hunt the east side you're gonna hunt the west side like i think the west side's probably like the quote-unquote better part of the farm but the east side had this really cool buck and it had some really nice setups for the winds that we had and I really wanted to hunt him. So I took the east side, Chad took the west side and that's kind of how we figured that out. The east side did not have any cell cams on it and the west side had all the cell, all the cell cams. Yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's true. But, but it didn't, it mattered to a degree because, so Tuesday night we went out, Chad hunted the west side, I hunted the east side and, and you went to the pit, right? Yeah, and I hung a stand. Yep. Yeah, you hung. Yeah, we both hung yeah, stands. Hung, yeah, we hung sets both on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both. So Tuesday, when you're hunting hills and valleys, which is what this is, we had a, a we were both in the valley, on, in the same valley, probably what like six, seven hundred yards, maybe, something yeah. like that. Six, seven hundred yards apart. Chad was on the west side. I was on the east side of this valley, and it was a calm wind. Mm-hmm. It was calmer because that's the only time you can hunt those valleys really is if you're in the valley and you have a calm wind and and you have a consistent calm wind going one direction so that like we had a calm west wind. And what that did was obviously push our wind from west to east, but when those thermals hit, 
it, it was always like essentially pulling like the last hour it was pulling everything down. So if you're in the valley kind of looking uphill or looking at another side hill or something, when those deer are walking on it, they're not going to smell you because all your scent is dropping down into that ditch in the bottom. Whereas like if you have a strong wind or in the morning you have a rising thermal, it's not as good to hunt because then obviously your scent is going to be rolling up that hill versus falling down it. So that's why we went in there on Tuesday night. We're like, yeah, let's go hunt these the bottoms. And Chad's in a spot called the pit, which is kind of where um, a bunch of a whole bunch of trails come together. Mm-hmm. And there's a mock scrape right there. And it was it's kind of in between like two strong bedding areas, but the bedding areas are like on top of the ridges, right? Like the you know the knob, the knob mm-hmm. to the south southwest, and then the pie slice to the north. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, pretty significant drops. I mean, this thing is, it's quite the squeeze down in there, I would say, like, from the perspective, like, these deer really only have, they can either think of it as like a, like a cross, I kind of think of it, or like a T, they either mm-hmm. come down the middle of the, of the ditch in the pit, pit, or they just cross it. Yeah, they go, either, they either go from east to west or west to east, and if they do that, you're, you from the stand you're in, you're going to see them. They're going to be within mm-hmm. 80 yards. Mm-hmm. And the and the the mock scrapes at like 35, something like that? It was 31. 31, yeah. <laughs> so the mock scrapes at 31. And then there's a trail that comes out of the mock scrape and essentially goes like right under the stand. Yeah. And that's like that's the, the base of the T. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. And so then that trail that comes right out of the mock scrape, goes right by the stand, goes to the south. And that one goes up to another what we call the knob which is just Mm -hmm. another hilltop and the knob like you can actually get up the knob there's kind of some rocky formations but a deer can get up it from where chad's sitting and looking straight across the ditch it is like a 30 or 40 foot sheer rock wall (laughs) there is no getting up it (laughs) so um so these deer kind of kind of half moon like crescent i guess from east to west around here and that's kind of where that's why we set that mock scrape up there and again like dylan lens um from whitetail habitat solutions when we walked the property this was one of the pieces that he said he was like dude you need to put a mock scrape here this is a phenomenal pinch put a tree stand over here this is a great little spot get a camera on it yada 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 and one of the crappy things about that was i had a camera sit there from like june to mid-september and i got ants in it at the end of june (laughs) and it just destroyed destroyed that camera so I didn't have any data uh, up until mid-September. So, but yeah, that's where you sat the first night. And then, I mean, I, I think just to add to that too, right? Like there's the mock scrape, which they kept active, Yeah. right? There's a vine yeah. hanging there. But then there's also, a, like, it seems to be actually the bucks that I saw while hunting that use a different scrape, which is like directly across the ditch from me. It's not the angle. And they, the two bucks that hit that for two mornings or two day, whatever, they use this other scrape, but it's only like 10 yards from that mock scrape, but both very yeah. active. Like, cause some deer hit that mock scrape and some deer hit the, like the natural scrape. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Like just watching their, just watching their, um, their habits and, and like what they did. And the bucks seem to stay high on the high trail, which we Figured like we need to find a way to pinch them down. Otherwise, it's like a 45 yard shot. Yeah. Unless you move tree stands or find a way to push them down to the lower trail. 
but they're super relaxed when they come through that pinch as long as the wind is right. And even when they came, I had a doe come. I mean, I could have rode her back. She jumped. She was right <laughs> underneath me, <laughs> and she looked right yeah. at me. Um, but kind of shook it off and just kept walking. So thermals are right. Wind is right. Yeah. I had a plenty of deer that came through. It had no idea I was around. Yeah. And that was one of those things that like we kind of discovered by accident. I think last year when we went and hunted it, we sat on the ground at that log. Mm-hmm. And what's weird about this is, is you have, you have the tree stand and then you have like 15 yards and then you have like this ditch, which is where the water runs when the, when we get a ton of rain in the spring. Right. So sometimes it's running, sometimes it's not. And then you have like the other side of the ditch. And like I said earlier, we had a west wind. And when Chad was in this stand the second morning, these bucks came from the east. Right? They came like from the the bottom. Yeah. Yep. So they came from the east and came to Chad, even though we had a west wind. But the thing is, is that because they were on the other side of the ditch, and even with Chad's west wind, the thermals were pulling it down and like diving those into that ditch. So if you think about like that deer is on the other side and he's 20, 30 yards up the hillside a little bit and Chad's like 10, 15 yards up his hillside, both of their scents are falling into that ditch and then shooting down that with the west wind. Yeah, and I would test that consistently with milkweed, right? Just floaters and watch them do their thing. And then either as the morning went on, they would rise out so the scent was blowing over the top or early in the morning when it was still trying to figure its thing out, it would just drop straight to the bottom, like Anthony said. So, like, I don't know. Like, I've always done puffers for a long time, like smoke puffers and stuff like that. But those dissipate so fast. Freaking milkweed is awesome just to understand, especially in a really, really calm situation, what is actually happening and, like, what the thermals hit or where drafts hit in different locations depending on height. So that's it. I just kept using those all morning, all week, all week, really, just yeah. to understand, like, am I consistently in favor here yet? Or, mm-hmm. like, do I need to pull out because it, it flipped on me and, and I don't yeah, want to blow out the bottom or something like that, right? So I don't know. That, that using those floaters are, I think, a must-have yeah. if anyone is concerned about playing the wind at all. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I thought was, so, and, and we'll kind of, like, my hunts, we can talk about my hunts, but they're much more boring than Chad's. <laughs> <laughs> I hunted um, I hunted the east side of the farm, but, but the other big thing for the pit with Chad was the entry and exit route. Mm. And I used to enter it, there's, there's, if you, like, imagine a square, and you're in the bottom right corner, and you need to get to the top, uh, the top left corner. I used to enter it by going up the right side and then across the top from right to left versus now when we enter it, we go from the bottom right corner to the bottom left and then to the top left. And that entrance route, even though you kicked out deer every day, every every time they were betting the, the, the right to left part. When you go east to west, you're kind of walking through a power line cut and it's got CRP in it. And the deer just love to like lay in there in the morning. Like it's just, it, and they're it staging for the fields and stuff like that. Yeah, like, they're coming off the fields and yeah. then they're just laying down there for like the first hour of the day and then they're getting up and moving. So, I mean, you're pretty much always kicking them out of there and they're, it's mainly does or really small bucks. 
But then once you get through there, you can get to the pit. And I think that was huge because those bucks were coming from the east. And if you went the other way, you would have walked past them. And that was derived from understanding bedding areas. So the more we hunt this property, the more we, we can understand where the, not just deer in general, but where bucks or mature bucks like to bed. And that CRP cut, I've never had any, I've put cameras in there and I've never had, or have I ever seen mature bucks use that CRP cut. It's always does and really young bucks. So if we're, and, and for the other way, I've seen mature bucks use that as bedding areas. So, and personally, and with, uh, and with cameras, I've seen them use that other way. So we said, well, let's take the lesser of the two evils here and, and, and bump the does and the little bucks versus potentially bumping the bigger bucks. So I thought that was, that actually played out, uh, really well in that scenario. Um, so I, yeah, we, I mean, we kind of planned like everything to like a T here's the entry and exit. Here's the winds we're going to hunt on. And we had a west wind for the first we had it on tuesday and wednesday and then on mm-hmm. thursday it switched it was super calm thursday morning and then thursday night we had that southeast wind and mm-hmm. that's when you killed right yeah 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 so yeah. i hunted the pit so what did i do i hunted the pit tuesday night wednesday morning mm-hmm. and thursday morning what did you hunt wednesday night that's when you made me scale the rock wall Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut across the ditch. You're gonna hate me. You're right. It's an absolute, absolute fact. Oh, that was great. That was great. So, yeah, Wednesday night because that was because Wednesday morning. So again, yeah. back to the cell cams. Yep. There was the knob. We have a cell cam on and a water hole, and I love the knob. I love to hunt the knob. It has a phenomenal entry and exit route, great stand locations, beautiful spot. It's a ridge top that the deer like to run in kind of the shape of a J. They it's like kind of the biggest, flattest, like, it's kind of like the bench that runs, like, into the property. Yes, like, exactly. I would say, like, it's, yeah. it's the low-level bench. It's not the big cliffs that have big drop-offs. Mm-hmm. And see, like, yeah, there's some sharp rocks on it, but, like, when you get on top, it's nice. It's flat, like the deer definitely seem to use it as either bedding slash like just travel corridor. Yeah. I I mean, it's bedding food corridor. There's no pressure on it. No one ever goes back in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. You know, so it's just, it's a great spot and you can, there are some rocky bouldery areas and, and humans like we can get up there and get and squirt through that stuff and get in a stand and the deer just don't really like it. They'd rather use something else. So your entry and exit usually is pretty good. But what was, I wanted to hunt the knob really bad, but the cameras were saying no. They're, they're just like, no, nope, they're wind not wasn't really there. Great. Yeah. The wind it. wasn't great and it just, the, it was just no. Um, so then on Wednesday morning in the pie slice, which is, so you have the pit and then you have the 30 foot like rock cliff. And then up on top of that is what we call the pie slice. And we call it a pie slice because it's in the form of, uh, of a right triangle remember your geometry days (laughs) um the right angle is in the top right and then it runs to the left um and then you got like your crossbar and then hits the bottom and then comes back up to your right angle right so chad is below that the pie slice is up above and in the far left corner of the pie slice you can that 30 foot um cliff 
eases down to like a one foot cliff. So the deer can get up on the pie slice, work around and mill around in that kind of wooded area. And there's a huge, it's, it's a 400 acre, uh, cornfield up above it. So, and so they can, they can stage in that area and then work out into that corn and all that corn, all the corn next to the pie slice right now is standing and no other corn is standing. So it, it kind of worked out to be this beautiful scenario. And on Wednesday morning, um, we got that 11 point in the pie slice at 9.45 a.m. And Chad got out of his stand in the pit at like 10.15 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was within literally, I mean, 200, 150 hours of it. Oh, yeah, he was 150. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so he probably like worked around you. I bet you he dropped down into the ditch and worked around you like the other way. Um, from yeah. west to east. I bet I bet that's what he did. Yeah. But we thought, so Wednesday we were like, hey, he's in the pie slice. Maybe he's bedded in there. So I said, Wednesday evening, Chad, you should you should go up to the pie slice and get in there. And it was still kind of a westerly wind. Yeah, it was pretty strong west yeah. wind. And the only and that was that was the only reason you can get in there is because it's you're gonna be loud getting in there. And you have to you have to climb like some rocky areas, which is some <laughs> some rocky areas. Yeah. So yeah. in order to get Didn't in, really there, need to go to park, REI like... before the before the hunt. <laughs> did you uh, did you happen to swing by and get your climbing ropes? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean the east side of of the pie slice with a west wind, you want to hunt the east side of the pie slice, right? So your wind's blowing back out kind of into the corn and all the deer are in the woods right there and you're going to catch them before they get to the corn. Well, the only way to do that is to go up essentially this... this Sheer like rock, rock wall. This rock wall. <laughs> <laughs> and and I told Chad, I said like, hey man, like you're going to get to this point. It's going to be a rock wall. Go to the east. There's a spot where you can kind of shimmy up in there and get up in there, but bring a bow rope because you're going to need to like get up in there and you're going to fucking hate me and it's going to be awful, but it's the best route to get up in there because the only other way to get up in there with that West wind is to, there's another ditch that runs North South there is to go up that ditch and, and you can get up that way, which is like a three, four foot hop, but you're like cruising right next to this bedding area. So you're pushing that bedding area. Whereas if you go up the rock cliff, you're not even touching it. So I was like, go up the rock cliff if you can. If you can't, I know it sucks. Just just then go try to work around that ditch as quietly as you can and get up there. <laughs> and, and Chad got to the spot. And uh, he, he didn't go up the, the rock cliff. I didn't go up the main rock cliff. I stayed on the right side. But yeah. I had to enter... Like, I essentially was overlooking, like, that ditch bottom. I wasn't, like, all the way on the left-hand side, which is yeah. the easier side. And it's probably, I don't know, 75 yards across that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was able to get up. I just couldn't get up the the crack to which Anthony required <laughs> me to essentially, like, use both my hands and feet in horizontal ways and walk up this thing or something like that. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I was swearing at him so bad. There's some video of it. If anyone follows him on Instagram, you may have seen a, a, a tag of that. But yeah, yeah. So got up there. Yeah, I don't. I, honestly, like I remembered, it was difficult. 
But when you were like, yeah, you wanted me to like squeeze into this crack and push my hands and legs to my left and right just to like shimmy up this thing. I was like, yeah, that actually does sound about right. <laughs> and I remember being real pissed off when I did it my my first time too. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fair. And Anthony's like six foot, six two, I'm five nine, inseams are much like it just no. It wasn't like yeah. Yeah, we're we're I don't dealing blame with, you. Yeah. I don't now that I'm like thinking about because I remember thinking like, how in the fuck am I gonna get my bow up here? Because I didn't have my bow rope uh-huh. when I did that. So I kind of just like hooked it to my safety harness and like let it kind of <laughs> dangle behind me and like was just trying to be super careful. But that's one of those like workouts where it lasts like 45 seconds, but it's every single muscle in your body yeah. working as hard as it can and you are sweating. Well, it's kind of like hanging a tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you hunted the pie slice on Wednesday night. and I had a button buck bet at seven yards for me for like 40 minutes. Yeah. That's all I saw. There, Well, no, I saw some does. They were, there was all sorts of critters in there. Like, I mean, there was deer all over in there. You just couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. And there could, very well could have been the bot. Well, no, we didn't get a picture of them. But the middle of this pie slice, so think of like the perimeter, the entire square, the triangle of this pie slice essentially has a four-wheeler trail. Yep. And then going east-west, there's a, a lightly cleared trail that you guys improved. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to like the, let's call it the right quadrant of this thing, upper right quadrant. And then there's a trail that bisects that going north-south a little bit that's kind of light yep. too. And it seemed that I could just hear deer like up in there. It's all these slashings and stuff like that. It's a shit ton of yeah. um, buckthorn. Yeah. It's just a ton yeah, of... I have a scrape right thicker, here. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's, anno- it's the most annoying thing ever, but the deer seem to like it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of thicker cover. There's some huge oaks in there. Tons of acorns. Yeah, it's just a bunch of like... Yeah. It's a I bunch mean, of really open, clear cut. It's like, yeah, it's like it got logged like 20 years ago. Yeah. And there's all this like new fresh stuff underneath. Yep. I don't know, before we owned it. But yeah, it's, it's just this... Beautiful, mature mix with, you know, fifteen-year-old stuff underneath it, and it's it's real nasty to walk through if you're not on a trail. Yeah. Like it sucks. Tucked right up against the egg. Yeah. Yep. Right. So it's a great spot for the deer to come up, hang out, feel like they're safe, feel in cover, and again, no one goes up there. Like right. that's another spot where like no one goes, and that's somewhat by design, but also because it's kind of a pain to just, it's not on the main four wheeler trail. You got to break off onto a different four wheel trail. Right. And it's one we just made this spring mm-hmm. actually. So do we make it this spring or no, last? Last spring. Last spring. We made it last spring. I remember going up to the, for, for the first time this and, year. Well, no, last year when we had the first archery shoot Oh, and yeah. we took it like, we took like the outside perimeter up there and we were like bushwhacking with the four wheelers. Yeah. Like, I was like, where the hell are you bringing us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that spot, the like, it's just a great spot. And uh, even talking to the neighbor after we killed this deer, uh, Bruce, he was just like, that is, like, the spot. There's one way up, or there's two ways up and two ways down. They're coming up from the west or coming up from the east, and that is it. So, like, once they get on there this little pie slice, you can hang out there and you're pretty much going to see or hear the deer that are up there, mm-hmm. which is what you kind of experienced. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I had the button buck bed 
he had him kind of mill around, but the big dude didn't. didn't yeah, I got busted by one other. I think it was a doe, because she was to my right, and I just so happened to like I was standing, and I kind of did like this twist to sit, and she was coming down from the north, kind of like th- yeah, where we ended up finding my buck. Yep, she was in there for some reason, and like I just there's enough slope in there where if you're only 10, 12 feet up in a tree, when they're on that north end of it, they're kind of looking at you mm-hmm. coming in. You just can't get high enough yeah. unless you get yeah. like 25, 30 feet up. Like, and then you'd have no shot anyways because your angles are all gone. But like, yeah, yeah. there's too much cover. Yeah, like, there's just too much cover. You have to have some pretty, but yeah. So, they, I mean, you could hear deer in there though. And like trail cameras were telling us they're deer. They were, yeah. And they sometimes they'll bet up there, sometimes they won't. And again, that's that's trail camera data. And, well, they and years that button buck bedded up yeah. there. I mean, yeah, it was exactly. weird. It was like an hour before dark, and he just bedded and then just got up, walked away. Yeah, like my yeah, my best encounter last year was in that same like southeast corner of the pie slice, and Bruce, the neighbor, was combining the corn, oh. and and I had four deer, and one was a shooter, stood up like 60 yards in mm-hmm. and I just watched him walk through uh, and I got my binos on him like that's a huge deer but he just like disappeared into the buckthorn mm-hmm. you know like he probably was on the same trail that the 11 point took uh, this morning mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just right in there so it was just like it's one of those things that was like okay how do we improve this area to to hunt it and, or hunt it more effectively and that was one of the big things that, that we went over with Dylan this year but um the other, the I mean, having the cameras there was was super helpful, but on your way out, like you took the hard way in, and then on your way out, you took the easy, like you were just like, I'm just gonna take the four wheel trail out, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, yeah, just do that. That's fine. You don't need to, you know, break your neck scaling the cliff or anything mm-hmm. like that. So, and this this leads to another point is we were trying to be, and we will always try to be extremely low pressure and very precise. With the entrance and exit routes, I have I'm a very firm believer in that. You are as well, like, but there are certain scenarios where it's like, well, fuck it, <laughs> I'm just getting my ass out of here as fast as I can. Yep. So like, Chad, Chad didn't want to drop down the cliff, which makes sense. And then there was one left turn that he could have taken to try to drop off a little bit sooner. Um, it's kind of like a pseudo four wheel trail that I took, but then it essentially I made it. And then my dad was like, yeah, if anyone else actually takes that, they're going to flip the four-wheeler and die. No one should ever take that trail. Yeah. And I only knew about <laughs> it because when we chased turkeys up there in the spring, we took it. Yeah. Because we didn't want to take the steep. four-wheeler up top. And it's steep. But it's like, <laughs> it's not like terribly steep. Like it's, it's, it's doable. Yeah. And just, like it, it cuts off like the entire corner of the pie slice. You don't have to yeah. touch it. You don't have to go through a certain section. But Chad missed that turn in the dark. And went through. I stood there and looked at it. <laughs> and I was like, I, I think that's it, but I can't tell. I don't know. I'm yeah. not going to go tromping through and, yeah. And eventually hit a cliff yourself out or something right. like that. Yeah. So he took the long way around and got out of the pie slice. And for, for reference, this is October 26th. And when all this is happening. And the pie slice itself is probably like maybe 15 acres. Something like that. Maybe something in the neighborhood of 15 acres. Mm-hmm. So when he got in and used the entry and exit route that we were intending on, he maybe disturbed like a quarter of an acre, if that. Yeah. And and then on his way out, he kind of walked through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
I mean, which is fine. Like, not a big deal. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't touch the upper section. Yeah, the upper, yeah, the northeast section. So maybe you covered 10 acres of it. Yeah. But so then the next day was switching to south winds. And in the morning, it was dead calm. It was yeah. a southeast wind and it was yeah, and I dead calm. Again. Yep. Yeah, and you hunted the pit. Spike. That same spike rolled through. That I had okay. Camp as the morning before. Yeah. So so Chad went back to the pit, hunted hunted there, nothing. I hunted another spot on the east side. I had a couple does come in. I was gonna I was trying to shoot one, and um. Well, we were getting in, intel that that. Yes. Right. That was it. Yeah. So yeah, another big thing here is the first night from the east side of the farm. And this is essentially why I continued to hunt and will continue to hunt the east side of the farm, which is this buck that I'm kind of chasing. Um, he's he's got a really crazy cool frame. He's a double main beam. Hey, he's just a really unique buck that I think is is really cool. And the first night we got there was Tuesday night, and I went down and I had a camera I hadn't checked in like two months, and it was like in pretty pretty close to core bedding, like no touch, no pressure area. And we have a spring down there um, that just pours out of one of these hills. And there's this phenomenal cedar tree right there. It gives you a boatload of cover, covers your scent right in the bottom. And with these low winds and everything, you can sit right in there and not have a problem. So I went and checked that camera. I didn't see anything that night. Um, went and checked the camera, came back, and that double main bean buck had been in there uh, the night before when we got there. So he had been there Monday night and we got there on Tuesday and he had been there three days prior and he had hit a scrape that a mock scrape that we made again, another spot that Dylan lens, um, had said, you should put a mock scrape here and cut the trail because that cedar tree was no good. I said, Dylan, I really want to hunt the cedar tree, but the trail goes below it. So any evening, any morning, the trail is going to suck. Like with the deer take that. And he said, we'll try can we cut a trail above it? And so what we did was we found a trail, a really lightly used deer trail that was up the hill from it. And we cleaned that thing out. Like, so it was really nice. Um, and I'm not talking like four feet wide. I'm talking like two feet wide, uh, but a very nice trail and put a mock scrape on it. So then the deer are influenced to take that trail over the lower trail, especially the bucks, because they want to check that scrape. And when I went back, I sat in that cedar tree. Um, I didn't even check the camera before or anything. I just had, I, I could, I got up, I climbed up in that cedar and I looked over and you could see the trail that I made was down to dirt. You could see the scrape. You could see another natural scrape. You could see a huge rub all from the tree. And I was like, perfect. Like this is working how it's supposed to. And so then when I got in that, um, I sat that night, nothing came in, nothing blew out, no issues or anything like that grabbed the camera, came back, and that buck had been in there three days prior and the day before. So I, so in my mind, I was like, okay, if he's here every three days, I need to sit that for the next two to three days to make to hopefully catch him coming in. And the other super cool thing about that was that he was literally coming into our property, and we're probably 150 yards on our property or so, something in that neighborhood. He was coming into the property, hitting the scrape, and turning around. And there were like three or four other bucks that did the same thing. Yeah, that was weird. Right? It has to be a territory boundary. Yeah, it's a corner. Like it, it almost... It, like, it is kind of a natural corner anyways. Like how kind of hits up against the hill. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and it like... like they, they can't go anymore north. 
No, they can't go any north, but they could just go west up the they valley. They go all the way west, right. Right? But it's like a nat, it is kind of a natural corner for them. So it's like they're coming in, they're hitting that scrape, they're saying, I'm here, don't get, don't come over here, and then they're leaving. Which makes a lot of sense because now that I think about this, four years ago when we bought the property, the two biggest bucks on the property were using a scrape right in that area. I can't believe I didn't ever put this together. And I'd never see Groot. I always saw Groot on the west side, and I never saw that other big 10 point. Never saw him once on the west side. He was only on the east side. Mm -hmm. So that has to be a natural territory boundary. Yeah. Like that's just what it is. Which was really like cool to see and and essentially like that eleven point was never on that. And there are a bunch of other smaller bucks, but only that double main beam buck was the only mature deer on that camera. It seems the only shared location on the property is like the back road. Mm-hmm. They seem to use that as like a cruising like hillside. Yeah. It seems like because you've had the eleven on there. I've had the eleven. You had the double main. Yep. Did you have That's, the drop eight? No. No, he never. No, the drop eight never made it over there yet. I'm sure he will be. But yeah. that like that back road and the pie slice are the two spots that I can kind of get any deer. Yeah, but I think we're starting to see it though too. There's a lot of does that use those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the like, other thing. So yeah. along so, with the knob, but the knob yeah. seems to be a different corner, like you said. Like the yeah. knob is almost like on its own the southwest corner and yeah. into like novax and scott like that area like mm -hmm. yeah 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 for sure so then with so i guess with the reason i'm saying that is because that's why i'm hunting the east side is because i'm like this deer is coming back um so so i'm putting all my time and effort over there for that double main and the trail camera data was really cool to see um, and it's just like those bucks cruising and checking those scrapes and then leaving and then coming back and cruising, checking those scrapes and leaving. And I'm sure that double main beam bumpy buck, he probably, his home territory is probably like at least three properties. It's ours, it's the public, and then it's probably Sid's and probably a little oh, bit of Bruce's too. Yeah. So it's gotta be like four of the, he, I bet you he roams all of them and anyone can kill him at any time over there. Mm -hmm. Um, so then... With that, so that was that was Wednesday. Did you see that last night? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing. Chad's showing me a trail camera picture from one of the. It's there's two of these like this. I know. Yeah, they're like. So this is one thing. If you, if you are a listener and have a have a question about this, I have a mock scrape. I could send that to Dylan and see what he says. Mm -hmm. I have a mock scrape, and it's a vine with a rope hanging by a water hole, and we got a tacticam on it. And these does are come last night. Two separate does came in. I shouldn't say separate. They're di just different times. It could have been the same. Could have been the same. Kind of the yeah. same size. But, but they're yeah. standing up and they're kicking the mock scrape and licking some branches that are like eight feet up. But they're on like their hind legs. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're like. And it's they're almost like, like the one looks like she's almost like rubbing her back against like the tree. Yeah. That's like, really weird. I know. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see if another buck comes in and does a, does something like that. Like it that was a super like, active area last night. Yeah, I know. There was, it was a bunch cool. of does around. There I can't. Yeah, having these cell cams. The biggest thing that I noticed about these cell cams is it really helps me piece together uh, photos from separate cameras in a chronological order. Mm -hmm. Like if you go out and you check eight cameras and you see like a good buck on a camera and then you see him on another camera and then you like check another camera and it's got 700 pictures, you don't see him there. And then you flip to another camera and you see him mm -hmm. on that one. 
Like it's hard to go, oh, on October 17th, he went from here to here to here. Mm-hmm. Like that's like harder to do versus these cell cams when you're getting the data and it's like, oh, he was here and then he was here and then he was here and then it just all rolls in. You're like, all right, right this is the pattern that they're taking. Right. This is the route they're wanting to walk. Yeah, I would agree. Like, yeah, that's that's probably the coolest thing that I've noticed because I have three Cuddy links up there and then we have the two tact cams. So, and we have an Exodus render as well, which is a, which is also an awesome camera, but that one has been relegated by my dad to the driveway <laughs> just to, to watch people if people are coming in and out of the property. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was, that was, uh, Wednesday jump into Thursday on Thursday or sorry, Thursday morning was a South wind. We pretty much saw nothing. I almost shot a doe. Um, but my cam, I was in my saddle and my cam clanked on my carabiner um, as I went over. She was off to my right. And then she saw me and kind of busted out of there. Um, and then Thursday night rolls around and I was like, hey, I'm going to hunt. The, and it's a south wind. So we have to approach from the north essentially to have proper entry and exit. So we called the farmer next door and said, hey, hey, Bruce, do you mind if we come in from your end? through there and he was like no no totally cool come on over guys just you know let me know when you're coming and don't drive through the corn (laughs) you know so we're like all right cool that's awesome so that's what we did and i was still hunting that double main bean buck so i hunted the northeast corner and then chad was going back to the pie spice pie slice for that 11 point and i was like and it was october 27th and last year in 2021 my best opportunity came on October 27th. I had a really nice eight point on the pie slice um, in, a, in a specific tree right on the north end of it. And looking from the north end, you're on, essentially you're on the fence line, looking south into our property and the corn is behind you. Um, and again, they like to stage in there and that north kind of section is more open because we have a four wheel trail cut there it was logged. That was the way that the loggers got in and out. So it was just naturally like more suppressed than the other areas of the pie slice. And so I was like, Chad, when you go in there, you should, there's this tree right here and it doesn't look like much, but you got to get up in it and it's going to be, you're going to be like maybe 10 feet off the ground, but it's, it's the tree to be in with a Southeast wind. And it was, it was rolling at like eight to 10 miles an hour. Wasn't oh, it? Was- it was stiff and consistent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kept blowing southeast because that, yeah. Again, my little, my floaters, they would go right into the field. Like, right to the farm. Yeah. Which was perfect, right? Because, like, there were a couple times where I felt like it was starting to blow, like, almost more east. And mm. I checked the floaters again. No, it was going directly into the field. I'm like, okay, good. Because a lot of times the bucks or the deer in general were coming 30 yards into the pie slice from the west to east. And yeah. any any east wind, you risk blowing down right yeah. where they come through. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a south wind in order to hunt it. Right. So Southeast, southwest, you know, or south wind, anything that direction works mm-hmm. in general. So I will tell, I'll tell my side of this story yeah. and then you, you pick it up. So I'm sitting in the stand... And it's four o'clock, um, and I had four fifteen, and I had a doe come in, and she comes in, she kind of mills around, and I'm in a, I'm very happy with my spot. I am excited, 
It's a great spot, that double main beam buck. It's like, I at this point, previously, when that cedar tree I was in there, I was about 150 yards off the property line. And now I'm closer to like 30, 40 yards off the property line. Again, trying to hunt. There's these trails that come to that cedar tree scrape. And they were coming from like this general direction. And I was hunting one of those trails. The reason I like the cedar tree so much is because all the trails pinch down into one one main trail that comes through there. There's a couple like auxiliary ones, but it's pretty much one main trail. Whereas where I'm at now, there's three, four separate trails. Um, you know, like one's like 10 yards up the hillside, one's 40 yards, one's 80 yards. And I was on the upper one, which is like 120 yards up from the bottom. So I'm kind of on this hillside, pretty close to the top again. And my thought here was I'm going to hunt this Northeast side. He's going to come in, um, probably high because all of the scent is blowing up that hill. So if he was trying to scent check anything down below him, he's gonna be able to do that and he can always break off and cut up into the corn um, from up here. So that was my idea there. And this doe kind of wrapped around, I was on a, like a, a point in a way, in the woods, um, more mature woods, pretty open, I could shoot about 40 yards pretty easily. Um, and she came in at like four o'clock, kind of, bopped around and then she bedded down so i just kind of sat there with her and at five o'clock or so and i don't get very good reception out there but at five o'clock or so i sent a, a snapchat to chat of this doe bedded and he responded and said and said oh what'd you shoot and i was like oh no she's just uh she's just bedded next to me and he go and he responds he says oh well i did <laughs> and that was all I got. And I was like, what? What'd you shoot? Where? When? How? You know? And then all of a sudden my phone goes off and the cell cams are going off. And so I'm like, okay, something's going on over there. And so I pull up in my, uh, my pictures and there's a buck on camera. I can't really tell what buck it is or anything like that, but there's a buck on camera. And then the next picture is Chad getting out of his tree stand. So from there... I had no idea what was going on. I was just all jacked up for him. I was just saying, congrats, you know, where'd you hit it? What are we doing? What's the plan? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and then Chad, take it away. Yeah. So, um, so I'm in that tree that Anthony said, and he's like, apparently I did the exact opposite that he would set a stand, but he also sits saddle a lot of times, but I was pretty... I ride, bitch. <laughs> I was pretty exposed from that perspective. Um, and Sil Silas, Chad's dog, just came to visit us. Yeah. You can. It's not Chad heavy, heavily breathing on me. He's <laughs> yeah, a two-year-old black lab, so you can imagine the excitement. Um, and so I got the Lone Wolf custom gear, double sticks, and .5 hanger. So super small stand. So very small footprint, super lightweight. And I bet I ran that a couple times. Well, every time I went to the pie slice, mm -hmm. I ran that. Otherwise, we had other stands set. And um, so, yeah, I'm probably 10 feet off the ground. But there's what's kind of nice is there's like, you're right at this T. So you're on this, you're essentially on this four-wheel trail that runs east-west across the very, like on the fence line. And then there's this like faint trail i mean i wouldn't say it's not faint on the end where we were but it fades off like kind of into the thicket mm -hmm. and that runs essentially 
North South. North South, kind of like almost like it kind of peels off to like the southeast mm-hmm. or southwest. I mean, and um, and you can see you can also see the perimeter four wheel trail on the east side, which runs north south also. So you have a pretty good vantage point. Plus into the corn and the fields, and then also the farmer has his pasture uh, for his cattle, and you can see you can see it ways into that too. So like if if anything were to enter that, you'd see it. So it's actually a really good spot. And you don't have to touch the pie slice, really. I mean, you are on the fence line. Yeah, and Bruce is Bruce is really cool about all that. He's like, yeah, I have. he leases his land out to hunters, and he's like, they don't hunt any of that because there's literally no trees there. And they do, have a, they do have a ladder stand that's like on the property line, on the edge of the pie slice on the south. I said, hey, man, that's, that's totally fine. Like, I'm good with them. Like if, if there's a deer on the fence and it's on our side by like five yards, dude, I, I'm not going to like, you know, beat your hunters up over that or anything like that or scream about it. And he's like, okay, cool. Cause if that's the case, then I don't mind if you shoot something on five yards on my side, you know? So it's a, it's a give and take. And, and I just hope that I'm there when those other hunters aren't. And yeah. really it doesn't seem like they're so there. Far. They're yeah. there. They're not really there that often. So it was a phenomenal yeah. deal to, to make and that pasture that you mentioned is to your northwest Mm -hmm. so when you have a southeast wind it's blowing right into that pasture and they bed in the corn or in the pie slice generally so like you just don't it's a it's a fantastic win and like chad said you're you're taking two steps five steps onto our property and then you're in the tree yep so yeah so you're in this tree and there's it's a it's an oak and there's a couple other small oaks around it which are I think kind of key in this situation because there's a you're just above the first layer of branches on them, which provides I think enough breakup, and then there's a good set of like leaves and stuff behind you. So mm-hmm. I think like breakup because you have you otherwise you'd be skyline. There's some phenomenal trees in there from like a straightness and size perspective, but you're you'd be exposed right like completely exposed. You'd have nothing around you to cover you up. So like. We and we kept it that way, right? Like we yeah. just trimmed enough, just to like open up a shooting lane, like each direction that you needed. Mm-hmm. And so I got in there. If you follow us on, if you follow, uh, if you follow Deer Vane on Instagram or Facebook, I'm gonna post pictures of this setup because it's. I took a bunch of pictures from the, uh, from Chad's perspective and the setup, <laughs> and then also the deer's perspective. And it's, it's wild what they're seeing versus what you're seeing after you set it up with the cover that we, that we have there. It just, it works out really well, even though you're like just 10, 12 feet up in the air. And you're sticking out like, yeah. You feel like you're extremely exposed. Like you walk up on that stand and yeah, it's looking at like you're sticking out like a sore dick or something like that. Like on the (laughs) the side of this tree, you're just like, what the hell? That's where you put it? I'm like... (laughs) It worked. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm sitting there. I know we got in early that day. We got in at 1.45, 2 o'clock. Yeah. Like, you know, it's uh, four hours before we'd have to be done, right, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, just after 6, we, we were pulling. And, and up there, you, you could hunt to almost probably 6.30, really close, because in the valleys, it gets dark early. On the outside, it's better. Yeah. And so... Like I said, I was checking wind consistently because sometimes it felt like it was blowing more from like from the east, and um, always was good. Like always was good, and and I hadn't, I wasn't seeing anything. And from the night before, I was expecting to see, um, 
deer starting to funnel in because the night before when I was in there, like I saw some does come in from the very northeast corner, like out of the corn. I expected to see them funnel or like just come across from east to west or west to east. And I just wasn't seeing anything. And I was like, oh, well, okay. I mean, it's fine. I mean, like the wind changed, some things shifted around, but we were in there because we were seeing... We were seeing that 11 point, right? He was in there yeah. two mornings in a row. No, he was in there that morning. Mm-hmm. That was the first morning we saw him up there, right? Yeah, on on the camera. No, he was there the morning before. Two mornings, right? Yeah, it, it, he was in there on Wednesday morning, and this is now Thursday night. Yep. And then but, he was in there Thursday morning too? No. No, okay. No. I can't remember. No, he had just been like, in general, he had been frequenting that area like yeah. every two to three days. And... And hunting like that top corner is just like deer just naturally seem to cruise that yeah. area. And the, one of the improvements that Dylan told us to, to do was um, when we walked in it this spring, he was like, where, where are the, like the defined, what are the definitive deer trails in here? And I was like, there aren't really like definitive. There's that one that runs north south that you can kind of see, but it kind of fades a little bit. It kind of fades. It's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. But besides that one, there's not like any definitive. Like this is where the deer go in here. And he was and Dylan was like, okay, well you need to make that. Like, like where do you want the deer to go? Where do you think they come from? Where do you think they go to? And let's like actually create trails like find very faint deer trails and just trim them up so they are very like clear like when the deer get on the property if they're coming from another property and they don't know where they're going make it very obvious for them for where they want to go so parker and i went up there one day and we um we cleaned out that a trail going from west to east kind of right to where Chad's tree stand was and we linked it up with that north-south trail so that the deer could go west to east, hit that north-south trail and either go north-south there. And we had seen deer like actually hunting that last year. Yeah. We saw deer using that. They cut across this like ditch on the west side and they come right across like that 20, 30 yards, 30 yards into the property mm-hmm. and they would use it cons- pretty consistently. Yeah. I mean, yep. as ill-defined, I guess, as that trail was, they were still using it, like yeah, I mean, and it was, was deliberate use too. Like when you'd see them walk through, like that's what they took. Yeah, I don't know. Yep, Let's there's go. two. There's from on the west side. There were two trails that they could take, and we just made the upper one much more defined and easier to take, so that they were likely take that one more mm-hmm. often, because that then sets up for the tree stand that you sat in last year. Yeah, and this time you sat in up right up in the corner there. And then we also, we ran that one east to west, so it connected north to south. And then we also did one in the southeast corner where you sat the morning before, mm-hmm. because that was another spot where they liked to go, and there just wasn't defined, really well-defined trails. So yes, there were deer using them, but it was kind of more, I, I don't want to say uh, sporadic, I want to say just like, not as consistent as we wanted them to use. They were very nomadic up there. Yeah. Like yeah. they would just That's kind of like point. wander throughout the pie slice. Yes. So now we've kind of created these trails. So anyway, that's, so then Chad, I mean, you're in there. Yeah. So I'm in there, like, it's like five o'clock and I literally like look over and I'm like, hmm, I'm going to have my last oatmeal cream pie. <laughs> so I'm like, literally like I open the bag Take it out, close it, 
turn, put it in my backpack, which is hanging over my left shoulder. I'm putting the oatmeal cream pie in my mouth as I turn like back forward. And there's just a buck standing at like 35 yards. <laughs> and I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> and, and so I just shoved the oatmeal cream pie into my mouth. <laughs> and, and the second I saw him, I'm like, he's a shooter. Like he, he's got possibly, you, you could see antler, right? Like immediately. And you could see body size. You could just kind of tell, right? Mm-hmm. Like a mature deer looks like a mature deer. Like body size this time of year, their neck starting to swell up. And then, you know, he had, he had decent antlers on him and I was like, okay. And he, he's straight away from me, basically directly South of me, a little bit Southwest. And he's just kind of milling around. There's like Anthony said, there's a bunch of oaks in there and definitely the deer I saw in there. They were just munching on oaks, right? Oh, on acorns. Mm-hmm. And like, they definitely liked it. As much as those bucks were cruising and checking, they, it definitely seemed like they found those areas, like they, an opportunity to eat. Yeah. It seemed like, right? Like, and so he's milling around in there and he, I saw him just on the east side of that south trail, which is right in front of me. And... I'm like, okay, well, he's going to, it seems like he was, he was going to just cross through the thick stuff and basically make it to the four wheel trail and out of like the pie slice, right? Make it into the farmer's field. And I had no, to the, to the east. Oh yeah. That's where he was starting. And all of a sudden he just kind of makes a loop, like not even a loop. He just kind of turns like right in front of me and he comes back out to that North South trail, which is in front of me. And I've got a clear shot at like. 30 yards if you were broadside and he he checks a little bit of a remember you walked up and like, hey there's kind of like a little scrape yeah, in here or two scrapes in yeah there. like a little bit deeper and i'm like yeah he that's where he rubbed his antlers and that's where at this point i thought he was then going to cross that trail and go completely west of me and so i'm in the 0.5 lone wolf stand and i'm i'm holding my bow i tuck it to my body and I turn and face the tree so that if, he, and I'm thinking he's going to go to the west, I had a shot to the west. Or you got to stand up and rotate. Yeah. So I, 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 the second I saw him, he was down. I stood up, right? Like right away. And so like, but he's making that turn. I'm like, shit, like I'm going to have to do this. And so I tuck, yeah. I literally tuck my bow to my body, turn and face the tree. <laughs> And then, you know, grab my release again, which is a thumb button. It's hooked on and, and I grab it and I'm waiting. And then he turns again. He hits like he gets in that trail and he that's when he comes and tends to that little scrape like out there. And then he starts heading east again. And I so I chuck my bow up again. <laughs> like, dude, now that you're saying this, I'm like rotating percent sure. <laughs> That Parker was talking about this on the last podcast of like, dude, it seems like these bucks, these bigger bucks come in and they just like, they don't pick. They just up. meander. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they yeah. just keep make keep making you think that they're going left and then they go right and then they you're trying to go north and they go south. Yeah. yeah so, anyway. he, so he hits, he hits that little, he tends that little scrape, just kind of rubs his antlers and it smells mm-hmm. it, you know, sees anything was there. He didn't scrape it. And then he starts heading to the northeast. So he's essentially... At first, he started coming down the trail right at me. And we're talking, we're, we're in 30 yards here. I got no mm-hmm. shot yet. Because we made the turns, he made them abruptly. They weren't like, 
just like long looping Slow. turns where like I could have drawn and shot him like broadside perfectly at 28 yards, whatever. And then he then he's coming down that trail and then he starts heading east, kind of the northeast. And I'm like, okay, this is gonna be perfect. Like this is gonna be absolutely money because there's two big trees, like decent sized trees, probably like 12 inch diameter trees. And I'm like, well, I'll be able to draw. When he yeah. passes these trees, I'll be able to draw. And he keeps coming and he keeps coming and he gets behind the tree, the first tree and I draw and he's at 12 yards <laughs> and he steps out from behind that tree and he's pretty hard quartering to me. And then he kind of just like, he, he stops, he kind of looks around, he just kind of, just kind of set and check and stuff. Yeah. He probably maybe smelt a little bit like, Hmm, but he wasn't, he wasn't alarmed, wasn't anything. And he takes a step more east so more to his right and that opens up that left front shoulder and i'm like perfect right and he stopped and i and i touch it off and i smoke him like i mean i'm like he is it is tight to his front shoulder and i and i'm shooting so it's a matthews v3 75 pounds uh 70 or 27 inch draw at a 475 grain arrow the arrow is going like 265 268 somewhere in there it's got an iron wheel 100 grain wide on it i use 100 grain wide this is my elk setup in general i hadn't killed anything with it so like <laughs> last year in south dakota mule deer hunting um i used the severs and i i killed the doe out there so i knew how those worked i'm like well that breaks a front shoulder on a young doe and splits them wide open and i'm like well i want to shoot the iron wheel wide i just haven't yeah. and this arrow zips right through Right in this, he bounds off to my left, right to the dead left, like the northeast or northwest corner, northeast corner of the property of the pie slice. And I knock another arrow right away because he only bounded off hard a couple steps and then started walking. And so I knock an arrow and then I notice he's got stuff hanging out of him, like underneath him, like in his belly, like in the white, right? And I'm like, ah. Oh crap and i'm like maybe that quartering two shot was a little two quartering two where it was tight right and i'm 12 yards at 10 10 feet up and that's a pretty tight angle down so like you know the just just do your geometry and connect the dots like it it was almost like directly through him like down through him and he starts walking that north south four-wheel trail and then by this point i have no shot right and so I filmed him a little bit. I have that video. It's on Instagram. And you can, he walks on the four wheel trail, I don't know, 20 yards, 30 how, yards. How far is he from you at this point? 35 yards. 35. So he's within range, just no shot. Just no shot. There's just a yeah. bunch of stuff in there. Okay. If I would have had an arrow knock the second, it like I shot him, I, sh I could have shot him again on the very corner, but it would have been a quick, it would have been. It would have been like essentially release, knock an arrow, draw back, right? Release. I you mean, would have like, had to like, yeah. Like I, I'm not that kind of rapid fire archer, right? Like, no, you're, you're assuming he's gonna run to the corner and just tip and over. just tip over, right? Because yeah. he's walking. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've had deer do that and just fall over before, right? Or mm -hmm. stand there for ten minutes and then fall over. Like I've had all sorts of weird yeah. stuff happen bow hunting. So he walks down that north south four wheel trail. And he then cuts in at like 30 yards. 
like tore back towards me. He's going now east to west, essentially going exactly back to where I saw him originally almost. Yeah. And he gets in there and he stands in, in a spot. He, he gets like 10 yards into the kind of slashings and he stands there for like five minutes. I'm like, okay, well, here we go. I've seen this play out before. Like he's just going to bed down and die. die. He walks a little bit more. He walks a little bit more after that. And then he beds down. I'm like, sweet. Awesome. And I can just like make him out. He's, there's kind of like a, a Y tree in there and you can kind of see him through. I got my binos on him. He's only at 35 yards from me. But it's thick enough in there where you're like, you're kind of seeing shiny behind some heavy stuff. And he beds there probably five minutes. And gets up, walks like two steps, beds back down again. And I'm like, sweet, he's hurting. Like I, I can tell, I'm like, I'm like dude, he is in pain. Yeah. And this is all like, Anthony saw him cross that four-wheel trail on the far west side at five o'clock the camera went off. Mm-hmm. At five eleven, I'm filming him after the shot, and at probably five fifteen to five twenty is when he's in front of me betting and stuff like that. And I'm gonna go to our text message. I'm gonna see what time. And so he's bedded down there for the second time. He gets up and he starts walking again east to west. And I'm like, okay, here, I'm gonna here's my follow up shot, right? Like I've got a yeah. chance because he's gonna clear. And then he gets up and he kind of stands there and he just, he had moved like two steps and I'm like, okay, I can actually see his full body. There's stuff in the way, but I'm like, I'm going to try to sneak one in here. Right. Like, yeah, he's wounded. He's wounded. If I can stick something in him, right. Like get him to bleed more and I touch one off. It's like 30, I think I got him at like, it was like 33 yards. And right as it's going, it hits a branch, right? And it goes right over his back. And then he bounds off. He turns to the south and bounds off like three to five hard bounds and then starts walking again. And I'm like, dude, he's, he's in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I'm kicking myself. Maybe I shouldn't have shot, right? Like hindsight, like, because he probably would have just betted again. I know he would have betted again. Like, I mean... Mm. after all this I mean just judging by what happened yeah you know I'll get to that but like also I also don't want to see an animal suffer I want to have yeah, a quick you should, ethical kill if you have right? the chance to throw a second arrow you should yeah I think you should like if you're I mean yeah four holes are better than two right so yeah I mean I I definitely agree with that um I'm trying to see where Oh, here we go. Yeah. You looking for the text? Yeah. At 5.37, I text you, what did you shoot? That's when you sent that Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And I, it looked like a dead deer, like, a dead like, deer. like laying away. And you're like, hey, it was just a bad doe. And then I said, you said nothing. I said, well, I did. Yep. Well, <laughs> At 5.42, I, I said that. And I was already heading out. I was walking out of the field. So I shot that second shot, got down, found the first arrow, smelled it. It was like there's some blood on it, very little faint, but you can see like there's some brown slime on it and it stinks. And we'll get to the sting. (laughs) I got boots in the backyard that I scrubbed many times today. (laughs) But, uh, So I found that arrow, and then all I did was walk to that where he first ran to on that four-wheel trail in the corner, 
to see if I could find blood. And I saw blood. And I the second I saw blood, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Left my stand, left my tether in the tree, left my bow hanger, left the climbing six, left everything, and just walked out. Back to the truck. Back yep. to the truck and waited for Anthony. And so at this time, yeah, I finally said, you know, told Anthony yeah. I shot. Yep. And then... And that was... And I still had an hour, like, 40 minutes to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so it, I wasn't getting out of the tree. Yeah. And so I get to the truck. I, I FaceTimed two people, my wife and kids. And she, she said the look on my face looked like I killed someone or something happened to someone. <laughs> and I just looked like, and I was just like, you know, 50 million thoughts going through your head. And then I called my buddies, Tyler and Brett, and they were actually sitting at a picnic table outside their campsite in South Dakota, just getting done with a successful mule deer hunt. Uh, Tyler shot a, a really nice buck, his biggest mule deer to date, 80 yards with a bow. Yeah. And then Brett kept the fawn fest running, so props <laughs> to him. I appreciate that. And um, so we just talked through the scenario, right? Like Anthony sitting in his stand. I can't talk to him. You get text. Got to talk like, to somebody. I'm like, you know, you got to get this off the chest. You know, you know, love my wife. She's not going to understand fully. Like, yeah, no, she's like, help me. You have to talk call through this, right? To, when shit doesn't go right, you have to call another hunter. Yeah. Like, and talk. Like, it's just right. what you do. You need to tell someone. And then, actually, I sent a Snapchat to Parker yep. saying, like, all I said was, you got the tracker's number. And he's <laughs> like, I take it you shot something. <laughs> <laughs> and then I proceeded to, like, the text I sent Anthony that had a bunch of detail. I just copied and sent it to Parker and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so... Anthony gets back to the truck. Well, I talked to my buddies. Like their dad, who's with them, is like he's dead. He's dead. Like don't go in there now. But he he's dead. Like he's gonna be dead. Like he bedded twice. He then walked away after you shot a third or a second shot. Like he is hurting and he's gonna be dead. And literally, as I'm talking to them, you hear the the coyotes start to serenade in the bottom. And, and like they're, they're notorious down there. There's, there's plenty of them. And so Anthony gets to the truck. They talk me through it, like their perspective. Right. Like, and they're like, well, gotta let them lay. Right. And they're reading some stuff like up and like, you know, Deercast has like, you can put your shots in there on Deercast and they're like, well, this says this, Uh, dude, you know? And I'm like, ah, and I've never gut shot a deer. I've never gut shot a deer. I oh, shot I them in the legs, like where they're injured, but like, but it like still pretty alive, like with my gun. But I've never gut shot a deer, hmm. so like to me, this scenario is pretty new. Yeah. So you get to the truck. Yep. We kind of we run through the scenario. By this time, Parker gave me the dog tracker's number. Um, we decided to call the dog tracker. He didn't answer right away. Left him a voicemail. Again, like if you listen to the last podcast, like or this one, if you call the dog tracker, they're gonna ask you a lot of bunch a bunch of questions, and then they're gonna give you what they think happened, and this is all free. So like, if you have a tracker's number and you're questioning your shot, call them. Like, and and for me at this point, like, and after after seeing a few dog tracks work, like if I don't. If I don't believe 
you know, I double lung that deer and it's dead, you know, in, in under a hundred yards and I'm not quite sure on it. Like I'm calling the tracker and mm-hmm. saying, Hey, here's what, here's what it's, here's what happened. Here's where it's like, can you give me your opinion? And they, they will give you their opinion. They don't charge for that anything. So I, I strongly suggest that. Um, but yeah, so you had called the tracker, we had talked through it and then, yeah, we called the tracker. Like we're leaving the farm. Like yep. it's a little bit of a drive between like when you leave the farm and you get into the field and like something yeah. like that, right? Like so we're talking to each other. We called the tracker. He called us back. Yeah. As we were talking to the farmer. Yep. And and we're going back down the driveway. And I I told him like, "Well, I did this." He's like, "Well, you got to let him lay minimum." He said like up to 18 hours. You know, right? And he was like He's like, you know, I recovered one the other day, got shot. It went at 880 yards, right? Yeah. And I'm like, which is like a half mile. And I'm like, no. I was pretty confident he was hit hard. Yeah. Like, I could just, like, he was in pain. And so, but not to risk it. So we hung out with him. I said, I'll let you know. And then Anthony just said, well, it's not a money thing. And I'm like, no, yeah, that was not at all. That was the question is like, if it, if you don't, it's 150 bucks. If you don't want to spend the 150 bucks, if the 150 bucks means a lot to you, then you have to like question it. But if $150 doesn't mean a lot to you and you're willing to spend that money for the tracker, the tracker can only help. Like he's not going to hurt it. And like on the plus side, like even if this deer does run, you know, 150 yards, his dog is going to cover that 150 yards in five minutes, where it's probably going to take you like two to three hours. Like that's the huge benefit. So when you're, when that was my, that's what I said to, to Chad. I was like, Hey, we're going to leave this thing lay overnight. The coyotes sounded off, but they were pretty far down the valley. So we were like, all right, I don't think they're going to get them tonight. But I mean, essentially we're going to leave this deer lay over the, overnight. So at that point, it's like, all right, do you want the tracker or not? Well, what's the the benefit is you find them a lot faster and you give them 150 bucks or you don't find them a lot faster. You don't find the deer at all. And you're concerned with what you're concerned with where you hit them and you're like questioning everything. You're trying to figure stuff out. Like at least a tracker will give you that peace of mind. So then at that point, we call Chad called the tracker back was like, yep. Let's do this. Like, what time can you be here? Guy was like 8 a.m. in the morning. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we booked him, and yeah, we got got back, finished off uh, a bottle of <laughs> Old Forester, Old Forester 1910 Old Fine Whiskey, it's bourbon. Delicious. You guys, if, if anyone's a whiskey fan, this is one of my favorites. It, I've had several bottle the, bottles of it for, over the past few months and I got led on to it from a guy at work who is a uh, a bourbon snob to say the least so but I take his uh, recommendations highly and oh yeah yeah so it that is, mean it is delicious so yeah, yeah we, we <laughs> shot the shit for the evening called called buddies again talked yeah. through it right Parker got a call again Brett and Tyler got a call again they yeah. were well into the old fashions at that point too <laughs> I think so it was all good yeah. right like just calming the nerves um and I, I was, I was still going to hunt for sure the yeah. next morning and Chad was going to wait for the tracker and yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it was just a, 
of calming the nerves because I knew I've been in this scenario. I, unlike Chad, I have gut shot a deer. Like probably most of you listening, it has happened. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, like it's a sinking feeling. Everybody knows it. It freaking sucks. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. You you hardly sleep at all. So just kind of one of those things where I was trying to not say anything negative (laughs) at that point. Just like, yeah, yep, no, we'll find him. He's going to be dead. Like from where you shot him, double pass through, like the way he was walking very very likely to be dead like i'd say it's a 98 percent chance we're going to recover him in the morning like you're just trying to be supportive and and having a few having a few whiskey sours with it as well yeah. <laughs> um so yeah next morning rolls around i got up and i hunted that was the morning i hunted the knob we had not hunted the knob at all and when chad and um the dog were gonna go into the pie slice if they push anything out of the pie slice, odds are it's going to the knob. It's going to run out of the pie slice, go down the hill, across the valley, and over to the knob. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go sneak into the knob, and I'll sit there until you until you text me, whatever happens. So, yeah, just sitting there, and at, at 9, I have terrible reception, but at 9.15, I got the message, found him. He had gone 10 yards. From so, where I last saw him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, talk through the, the blood track. Yeah, so we get in there. Guy met, Guy meets us there. And, yeah, at, at the property, we head into... Um, we drive around to the farmers. And he's got these Spring Valley Kennels or Spring Valley Trackering. Sean is his name. Phenomenal. Great guy. Look him up. He's got a website. He um his kennels. He runs uh short hair pointers for Upland. Runs Navda field trials, things like that. Anyone familiar with that with that game? Um, and he knew a lot of people I had known because I used to run retriever field trials, and the dog dog community is pretty small, and so knew a lot of similar people. He actually trains on a trainer's land that I had one of my dogs with at one time. Well, you know, small world, but anyways. So we get around, he's got these Bavarian mountain dogs, mountain hounds. They kind of look like a like a large Dachshund almost, like like a really fat, taller Dachshund, I would say. And super calm demeanor. They're probably, I don't know, 30 pounds, maybe. Um and so we head in, right? Show him where I shot it. She she doesn't really find much in the initial shot area because um, because there wasn't much blood right away. Blood didn't really start until he walked off on the corner. So I'm like, well, there's blood over here. And so we get on that. She gets on that. She goes right into where, like, made the 90-degree turn back towards me to bed and all of that. And so she finally gets in there, and it's a southeast wind again. So... She starts following the blood trail and then she starts wind checking, right? And anyone who shot a gut shot deer, like it is, um, the wind check is a pretty simple path to success to find this. So she starts checking it and you could tell like she's not on the blood trail anymore. She's just wind checking the deer. Um, and literally because of those slashings, that buckthorn and all that's in there, um, you can tell like, I could see that deer after that shot walk away and then you just couldn't see it. Like it was just too thick. Right. 
So we finally get down to like where I had seen it last and she's wind checking, wind checking. Also, she just makes a left-hand turn and boom, right there. And I've got that, I had that video on my Instagram too. Uh, actually, it was on my stories. I didn't save it. Uh, well, I still have it on my phone, but. Um, yeah, I've never even, I haven't seen that. I, I want to watch that video. Yeah. The dog working. Well, um, and then, so yeah, walk up on it. It's dead, right? And it stinks. And it, I mean, like, it stinks. And the, the deer is, like, still a little bit warm, you could tell. So, like, it didn't, like, necessarily die instantly. Like, it it probably and expired all, yeah. several, several hours. But it did not move. Like, you could see where it walked down because you could see the blood trail. Finally, when you found it, you could see the blood trail. You could see where it bedded. Like, it bedded once, like, five feet. It walked a little bit further, stood there because there's blood, and then walked to where it died and laid down. Right? Yeah. Like, it moved... 10 feet essentially probably in its last like couple hours of life like yeah and and so forever grateful like i mean like finding a dog like a dog tracker like i I have chased deer for hours and hours on end that were wounded and injured or you're looking at thimble pin size specks of blood and things like that i just didn't want that to occur right like if you can get a dog tracker and you're okay with spending a hundred, hundred and twenty-five bucks, whatever. Like, do it. It is yeah. an ethical way. You can't carry a bow, which I did not realize. That is not no. legal. So just a heads up on that. Well, in Wisconsin, it's not legal. In Wisconsin, it's not. In Illinois, it is. But according to the dog tracker, his buddy got shot in the leg by a crossbow hunter. So even if he said it was legal, he would prefer not to. He does carry a sidearm just in case because he has had dogs gored. Um, or attacked before and he's had friends lose dogs so mm-hmm. so yeah found the found the deer sent the guy back in his way you know really appreciative and then then yeah we pulled him out we got the side by side eventually anthony came well i met him back at the cabin after yep. after well no no Not i got bad. back to the cabin and then you said I, you're coming down from the stand so i got the side by side came and picked yep. you up we went up there and he, well, and Sean took off pretty quick. Like, yeah, just like, like, he had four other tracks already booked. And we had yeah. a, he had a guy literally understanding over the deer. Guy called him and literally with like a shaky, I just, just, just shot the big, big, biggest buck of my life. <laughs> We're laughing to each other. Like, but I know I hit him in the, in the, in the guts. Uh, I'll do whatever you, you just tell me what to do. Like he was just desperate, right? Like. And I appreciate that. We all get buck fever, so right. it was awesome. But we were, you know, we were in southwest Wisconsin. This guy is essentially in south central Wisconsin. Like a two-hour drive. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, you got a hike. And he's like, his wife was on a track that morning also. So, like, they were hot on him, right? Like, they were they were busy. And they he, he was on a track the night before. That's why he didn't return my mm-hmm. call right away. So, yeah. Also, if you ever have a chance to uh, to talk to a tracker, and if you can in the off season, just ask them what days are the busiest, because they know. You know, mm. those guys will be like, "Yep, mm-hmm. today is going to be for the next three days. I'm going to get you know thirty phone calls a day," and then there will be other like weeks where they'll be like, "Yeah, I'm probably not going to get. I'm going to get you know maybe five to ten calls today." But there are just days that just light up. And if you ever have the chance to talk to him, I got to have it on a podcast, but there are days in certain time frames that everything just lights up for him. 
and um, and it'd be great to if you ever have the chance like to talk to somebody like that, just do it and ask them all these questions about it because there's no I like no one single hunter has as much knowledge on tracking and when deer are shot than these blood trackers. Yeah, I mean no, that's a good point. You can't you can't buy enough tags. These this guy did does four tracks a day. Like you can't buy that many tags in Wisconsin or any. I mean I'm sure you can in some other states, but you know for three four weeks like this guy is just going on four or five tracks a day. So it's just it's really, yeah yeah. So it's really good um, really good insight for that for sure. So yeah, met I got out of the stand. Uh, met Chad. Chad drove down. He met me in the bottom. We popped up there. Had to get the the. We got a new UTV and it's a little bit bigger than the four wheelers. We <laughs> may have scraped a couple trees <laughs> trying yeah, to yeah. trying to get it back. A little there. wider. Yep. But uh, the best part was when we got to where the deer was. We got out of out of the four wheeler or out of the UTV, and Chad's like, "All right, I think it was over here." And we start walking. He's like, "Uh, I don't know where it is." <laughs> I'm like, "What do you mean you don't know where it is?" He's like, "Well, I didn't mark it, but it's somewhere in here." I was like, "Are you serious? You just paid a guy 150 dollars to tell you where it is, and you forgot where it is?" <laughs> yeah, I didn't mark it. I mean, I'm, I'm with him. Like, I stopped the UTV like uh, at the side of side a little too uh, early down the hill. I thought it was like, yeah. So I walked in sideways and I'm like not finding it. And I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> so I just dropped I down it. a little bit further. That is, yeah. that's a testament to how thick this stuff is. Like yeah. a lot, it looks like just an infinite like horizon of small, small brush. Like, so it's just, it's hard to find. But anyway, yeah, ended up getting up on him, found him, uh, got him out. Um, went back and we took a few photos of the tree stand of and got some photos of the deer and everything. That deer did it, it smelt real bad because his shot. First of all, the shot went in when we found it, and this photo's on on Instagram too. But the hole that this iron will put in, <laughs> because he was at Chad was at such a steep angle, and it was a like a quartering two shot. Like when we rolled him over, it. it all signs point to perfect shot, like right tucked right behind the shoulder. And the hole that it put in there was probably like Good thing almost four, yeah, four or five inches. Yeah. Somewhere between four and five inches wide. It was ridiculous. And I think it's because you were at such a steep angle that it just like zipped it right open because yeah, it like went. It just sliced and peeled. Yeah. It went yeah. in like the side right where you'd want it to, like, you know, 12 ringed it, but it came out the belly. So you're talking about a pretty steep angle. That thing just went in, zipped right through it. When we cut it open, he got one lung, and it was just kind of a mess in there. So he couldn't. Yeah, really one see. lung, like the just the front of the stomach. Like it, I thought it was going to be like harder into it, but it was yeah. like it just clipped like the like right where essentially the, the esophagus like rolled into yeah. it, right? Oh. Yeah. So I, I we don't know what exactly happened there, and it was not worth. Uh, our our nostrils couldn't couldn't handle it very well oh. it was not i was upwind for sure when i was holding that deer i was like i'm not gutting this <laughs> you, you are gutting this my pants finally don't stink yeah right exactly my boots so. <laughs> yeah so we got it out of there um but we went back to the stand and took a couple took a couple photos and things like that and i was like hey you want to try to find your arrow <laughs> and jed was like the second arrow. oh yeah the second yeah the second arrow 
I was like, yeah, I'll go take a look for that. And uh, Chad's like, all right, kind of go over here, step over this log, kind of behind that branch. See that bush with like three green leaves? Kind of like right over there. And I'm standing there looking around at this bush with three green leaves. I literally look down. His arrow's right at my feet. <laughs> I just picked it up. I mean, you never, like, you're out practicing archery, yeah. you know, all summer, and you lose an arrow, you skip an arrow off the target, whatever, you pass through it, and you're like, where the fuck is this goddamn thing? You know, and, and he zips one off a branch, and it's just like, bloop, it's just right there. That was wild. I just walked was right ten up second, to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. He was like, yeah, it should be somewhere in there. I was expecting to, like, But that's like a there. $30, $40 setup, arrow oh, and broad, because yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. shooting, yeah, Black Eagle Deep Impacts also mm-hmm. so like they're not a cheap arrow to begin with and i'm no. just like yeah let's take a look for that one but <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i ended up finding the arrow and then got out there got them cut up hung them up and all that fun stuff we kind of packed up and and we were thinking about hunting friday night but because we were kind of bopping around in there so much and that was kind of the best area of the farm for a southeast wind and it's hard to hunt that south wind and the farmer had gave us permission to come in there and kind of one of the things he said, he was just like, yeah, you, you can do this. Just don't make it like a habit. Like, I'd rather not have you in here every single day. But, you know, I'm also totally cool with you guys coming in. Like, that's fine. Just, you know, don't do it every day. And I was like, all right, you know, that's fair. That's very fair. So we shot a deer. We pulled it out. And we did drive over to him. Like, so we drove. Uh, we took one of his field roads over to his his house and showed him. And he was all excited about it. Got to talk to him for a while, which was really cool. Um, and then, you know, we went back and we just were like, yeah, you know, like, let's just pack up and, and we'll just head out. We'll get home Friday night and have the weekend with the family and things like that. Um, wild turn of events. <laughs> Cell cam went off that night at, uh, four fifteen in the afternoon. And we had, when Chad pulled his lone wolf custom gear out of there, I rehung a different stand. So we just have a permanent one there now so you don't have to hang one. I rehung like I don't I think it was like a river's edge or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Um I I hung one up in there and literally one of the shooters that I haven't seen in the a year. No, it wasn't him. Oh, was it? A different it's a I'll show you the pictures of him. It's a okay. buck that I was trying that I had on camera last year that I was trying to kill last year and never got him on the hoof, never saw him on the hoof, and he just shows up at 4.15, right under the stand. And we had been in there... You like, can see the stand in the picture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But, like, you literally... Like, we had been in there for, like, between the dog and us dicking around with the four-wheeler and trying to mess around with this buck and stuff, probably close to three hours. In, in like, we had covered probably, again, probably, like, eight of the... Eight of the 15-acre pie slice. Yeah. Like, and we were dicking around all over in there. Leaving mm-hmm. our scent. We were not wearing hunting clothes. Like, we didn't care at all. We were just driving around, doing our thing. And that buck came in at 4.15, five hours after we got out of there at 11. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I had thought in my mind was just like, man, we're trying to keep this so low pressure. And, and I, I have to assume, like, or we're trying to keep this so low pressure, but what the hell? We were just in here creating all this pressure, and the deer just rolls right in. And I have to attribute that to like essentially almost like acute pressure over a very short amount of time. Like, and I was talking to this other guy on Instagram, uh, Bill as well. 
and he's and he was saying, you know, it's amazing how many farmers are out cutting wood and see deer when they're out like with a chainsaw, cutting trees off of fences and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, I he he said, I think they just come to they will come and investigate random noises that happens in the woods. I think that when when stuff like that happens with farmers and even other hunters and even today, or even in this scenario, pressure is based on consistency if you are consistently pressuring an area for um you know weeks months years and you're going in there heavy you know you're you're having a picnic in there every two days with your family like that is pressure whereas i hadn't been in there but to check that cam those cameras i reset the camera batteries in mid-september and then we had never been in there again so I just have to think that 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 buck, maybe he'd been in there before, maybe he hadn't, but he was cruising through. I don't have any other trail camera pictures of him except for this one this year. And he was just cruising through and he had no idea. He was probably coming down the same trail or taking the same route. He's probably coming from the neighbors and just cruising in to check, to check stuff out. And he had no idea that we were ever yeah. in that area. And maybe like, yeah. I just have to assume that that's the case because one of my other buddies was like, hey, like uh, one of my neighbors shot a deer on his property. Now it's on mine and it's really annoying me and I'm all pissed off because I have 40 acres and he's pretty much covering all 40 acres looking for this freaking deer. And now this whole place is going to be blown up and it's going to suck and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, dude. Seriously, we just spent three hours in here fucking around with a UTV and a great shooter came in five hours later. It is 100% possible that 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 this guy isn't doing anything to cause your property harm because it's like an acute instance. It's a very uh, short amount of time over one day and it's really not going to make that big of a difference um, in the grand scheme of things. Now, if, and that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, because when you get these cruisers, like now rolling into November and you're, you're chasing bucks that are cruising, can cruise a hundred yards in a day, they can cruise five miles in a day. Mm -hmm. Like you're getting these deer that are coming in from anywhere and it can happen anywhere at any time, as long as you're in like the generally right, like area, which I think comes down to pinch points, funnels, and like known like bedding areas. Like mm-hmm. that's what you're after. Yeah, that's what they're so, gonna send check. Yeah, because right? that pie slice, it's kind of a pinch point in a, in a terrain feature sense, but it is not, or in a vegetation sense, it's not a pinch point in a terrain feature sense. Like it's kind of this flat on top of a hill, but there's always it seems like there's always does in there. Mm-hmm. So so the bucks are coming in there to check that out, mm-hmm. and 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 before heading out into a field or to going to check there's the corner or whatever. Crazy amount of escape routes for them up there too, right? Like. Yeah. They can go any direction. I As mean... If, if they want to go into the fields. Yeah, if they want to, which they right. they really don't probably have a problem with most times, but... No, especially with the corn standing. But, I mean, it's very clear. But... And I, throughout the week, and now you're seeing it on camera more and more, I mean, these cruisers are just... They're, yeah, they're starting They're running cruise. routes. I mean, they're like on like a timer almost. Yeah, it's like laps. Like, they're running yeah. hot laps, and, and I feel like... I just I feel like like um, the these cruisers you just need to like generally know where to be and that comes down to pinch points and bedding areas. 
So mm-hmm. if you know like the pit is a great pinch point, the cedar tree that I was in is a great pinch, the back road's a great pinch, mm-hmm. the knob stand that we have is a great pinch, and this yeah. and the pie slice, like these are all great pinch points. It's just are you in the right pinch point at the right time that day yeah. when the deer's cruising through? So it becomes an hours a logging hours in a stand type of thing. So like is. you just need to because I mean we had sat there like we didn't see a shooter at all for the first four days. It's not like we were closing in on a shooter at all. People always talk about oh we saw him when we were getting close to him and we were closing in. We were trying to figure out mm-hmm. we were figuring out his area. That's not what happened in this scenario at all. Like that buck came in off of a property, never seen him before, never nothing. He yeah. cruised through. Which is how a lot of us are going to be successful. Like a lot of us don't hunt down an individual deer. We get like lucky in the sense of we know there's good deer in the area. We know where good hunting spots are and a cruiser comes through and we're able to get them. Whether that's over a scrape or rubs or bedding areas or water hole or food plot, whatever it is, that's generally what happens. So I think like, you know, just the idea now is it becomes like when you're going out into the woods like think it's going to be an hours logged thing it's not gonna be man i sat here for six hours and i didn't see him he's not using this bedding area that's not the case that's that's 100 yeah. percent not the case he could just have been on a different property that day and might have like ran into another hot doe or something like that yeah. and he's gonna be on that hot doe for a day or maybe it's just getting out of heat maybe it's just getting into heat like, you just need to log hours to catch those cruisers. I mean, I've done it all sorts of... I mean, I went to Kansas three years in a row. First year I went, got in the stand, drove through a ice storm, essentially in the morning, stayed at my buddies in Wichita, and then drove in the morning through an ice storm to get to the stand. Got in there. It was getting light out. Got in there, sat in the stand for like a half hour, killed. Another time... Two years ago, or last year, two years ago when I went, I sat for 60 hours, 60 hours straight. Six days, 10 hours, went in the dark, came out in the dark, and killed my last morning at 8 a.m. Right? Like, all it was was, I mean, it's not like I didn't see deer. Just didn't see the deer that I was willing to shoot. And that's that guy right there on the wall. Yeah. Right? And, like, day six, I'm like, literally, I, I was either going to go home after the afternoon hunt or midday well i went home at midday because i killed <laughs> and yeah these i mean that's kansas yeah. and that that skull mounts kansas too yeah so those are three straight years i shot so this one i shot within the first hour that one i shot like three days in and that one i shot on 60 after 60 hours set and like yeah it's just a matter of like being in places that are going to produce deer at some point right like high probability areas mm-hmm. and you will yeah you will find them they will come through I yeah, really i'm convinced of, those, of that like yeah I'll, and a lot of those areas like if you're thinking in your head well okay high probability areas where are they a lot of them are marked by scrapes generally scrapes mean it's a high traffic area in in general like so if you're fine if you're unsure where a pinch point is like, I mean, you can use rivers, you can use creeks, you can use ditches, like ditch crossings are great. If you have ever watched uh, Behind the Bow, they have a new season or a new episode that just came out. Um, go check that out. Those guys are awesome. They shot a really nice buck in Iowa on a ditch crossing, um, and they were they were struggling to get on 
their their standards are pretty high. <laughs> they're struggling to get on a monster. Like they were trying to shoot some g- freaking giant, and they let a lot of 140 inch, 150 inch deer walk, <laughs> um, which was crazy. Yeah. But but go check out their their video. But I mean, ditch crossings using rivers, using streams, terrain features like you know trying if a deer has the ability to hold in cover, they very likely will. Like, you're not going to see a buck that's flat out across the cornfield unless there's a pretty good reason for it, usually. Sometimes they obviously do that, and that's what we see from the highway. So um, that's why we we all believe it happens often. But if there's a a wood line that runs that same area, like, they're probably going to take that wood line. At least stage in it until dark. Yeah. I mean, even in general, like, they're probably going to stay a little bit more in cover. So, you know, if you have a wood line in between two cornfields, like, that's always great. Like there's, there's all sorts of, I mean, the ideal pinch point is if you have an hourglass and the actual hourglass itself is woods and the all surrounding outside of the hourglass is all, you know, picked corn, that very dead center is the pinch point that you're looking for, right? Like that's like the ideal scenario because it all funnels down to that and then it all spreads out. So they have to go through there or if they want to stay in the cover, they, they will go through that area. So like that's what you're looking for in these rut kind of rut scenarios and cruising scenarios is those pinch points. And if you do have uh, like historical data, you know where doe bedding areas are. Those are also phenomenal spots to sit. And again, like in that sense, you're going to want to sit like if a doe bedding, if you have like, let's just say a northwest wind and you know where a doe bedding area is, you're going to want to sit like 40 or 50 yards off that bedding area because the buck is probably going to take the trail between you and that bedding area um so your wind's coming from the northwest the 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 does that make sense Mm -hmm. the buck's going to come between you that's how you want to set that up because he's gonna go they're gonna send check through yeah he's gonna go on the on the downwind side of it so he can send check and essentially like you want to be even more downwind to him so, like, if you know those bedding areas, that's where you want to be um, in those pinch points and funnels. And then it just becomes uh, what good snacks can you bring? What motorcycle games can you put on your phone? That's and, right. <laughs> that's right. Just, uh, just logging hours, but always at the same time, like, being ready to being ready to draw that bow and shoot because it can happen in, in seconds. Like, it's not all of – a lot of the scenarios are like, shit, there he is. Shit, he's gone wow man what what the hell was i doing you know like that happens all the time during the rut so just trying to stay alert but but also like put the hours in on the stand do you have oh and and also to that effect the cell cams man we swapped one had the 11 point come in Hmm. i we got home on friday and on sunday morning which was this the october 30th Mm -hmm. The 11 point came in and that was the day we were all trick-or-treating around here. Yep. And, uh, and we have my, my wife's family always has plans on Halloween. We always go hang out with them and everything. And then Chad sends me a picture of the buck at 6am coming into the property and he's coming in from the east side of the farm. And this, but this is the 11 point who lives on the west side of the farm. So I texted Chad, I was like, what are the odds that he shows up in the pie slice tonight? And you're like, pretty good. Pretty high. Pretty, pretty sure. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he shows up in the pie slice tonight. And Chad's like, well, are you going to go hunt him? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, 
and I wanted, I really wanted to, but at the same time, we had a two mile an hour east wind, which is just not good. Like it would have been sketchy. It would have been very sketchy. Like it would have been one of those scenarios where, like, if I saw him, I would, re- I would really have to shoot him before he got my wind, or he could have really like had a had a chance to win me. Like I probably would have tried to figure something out once I'm up there, but because you're on top of the hill, as soon as that wind dies, you're you're banking on all your thermals, and if you're on top of the hill and all the deer are coming up the hill to you, and all your thermals are dumping down, like they're gonna smell you. And especially if it's and east, it's kind of almost like, saturated that whole. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. yeah. And I am not a, a good smelling dude. Like I'll, t- <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you that. So it was just one of those scenarios where I was like, I, you know what, with the family stuff going on and the the iffy wind and all that, and I don't really there is not for anybody saying like, well then why didn't you set up in a different tree? There really isn't. There's not another option there. Any, any tree you, you set like, up there, you'd have been in a really bad spot. Yeah. But even if you like pushed into the pie slice more, then you lose all your shooting lanes. Like yeah. it's just not, there's one, one really good way to hunt this. And I'd prefer to just hunt it when it's really good to hunt it Yeah, type of thing and just but keep it good. What happened? But then he showed up. <laughs> right at showed the base up. of the same yep. tree I shot right. right out of. Yep. Right out of the same. Yeah. How, so how many shooters have been on that camera now or, or shot out of that tree I mean, this year? Three? Four. Yeah. Four. Four, four shooters, including the one I shot. Yeah. Four have been at the base of that tree. Like, literally the base of that tree. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean, you're talking eight yards. Something yeah. like that. So, like, it's definitely not a, it's not a long shot by any means. They're coming right to it and working their way up. Uh, but they, and it happened to me last year, too, when I sat that tree for the first time. Was he time. there again this morning? No. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yes. he was there at nine o'clock this morning. That's he right. was in there. That picture so, there. yeah, which is really, again, cell cams to just to, like, boost them he came in at 6 a.m on on sunday morning showed up sunday night and now it's monday and he rolled around in the pie slice again around 9 a.m and now i think he's out and now i don't know where he's probably going cruising again yeah i don't know where he's gonna show up because none, none of the trail cams hit tonight but yeah. it was really warm i don't it was a really think, bad day, yeah it's a bad i think in general it's a bad day like, like the whole forecast wins. like the deer forecast all that kind of stuff like Movement was supposed to be very poor today. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, saving up my time now for this next cold front that's supposed to hit Monday, Tuesday of next week. So Saturday, Sunday, it's supposed to rain and be kind of crummy. And I got to go, I got to go travel for work this week, but then next week I'll be back. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Going to go hang out with the gamblers in Vegas for a little bit. Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. Kidding, Sarah. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah gonna go do that and then get back out um anything to anything to add anything we forgot about no yeah. i just want to say thanks man i mean like i i even asked you after i shot i was like are you mad are you are you, are you mad because you you haven't shot on this property like like killed a maturity and he, he's like no man i'm like no, are you sure i'm not mad like i felt guilty and i felt guilty even more because like i i was nervous not finding it right like, oh sure you know and i was i was worried about that a little bit too so um no. felt bad right like drawing blood not finding it right away just kind of like not my property so i feel you know i i just want to make sure everything i do is right like right but i just want to say you know i really appreciate the opportunity and and 
really appreciate you guys allowing me to hunt it. I mean, I yeah, I really do. It's it's a it's a cool property. It's a frustrating property to hunt. It's it's frustrating as fuck. That's why I like so yeah. So two things there. I know exactly how you feel because I feel that way when I hunt Jake Daly's when mm-hmm. I used to hunt Jake's, mm-hmm. and it's like and I I shot I haven't shot I had a pretty good buck on that property for a while that I killed and then a couple other guys killed some bigger deer, but. Yeah, I mean, I I can understand where you're coming from, but when we got the property and we started inviting people out, that was one of the first questions I think Parker asked me was like, are you going to be mad if I shoot a giant? And I was like, no, because I invited you to come here. So like, that'd be really bad of me if I invite (laughs) you to come here, then you shoot one. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing shooting these big deer? You You should shoot a doe (laughs) you know like you know it's one of those things that's like i'm not i'm not upset at all by it i'm happy about it i'm happy because (laughs) someone finally killed a fucking buck on the property (laughs) and like i can't like i can't hunt the whole thing yeah you know like i just i literally can't there's like a west side and the east side there's a south and a north like you can't hunt the whole thing like that thing could theoretically you could hunt three people out of that pretty well and have a really low pressure like I mean, yeah. four people might be pushing a little bit, but three people for sure. Like yeah. you could definitely hunt three people out of there, and the intel all comes uh, back. I was like, the intel is the big thing, right? Yeah. Like you're knowing what trails they're using, mm-hmm. where they're coming from, how they're working the area in general. Like yeah, you you can tell like how the wind works in certain areas. Yeah. The wind is super weird out there because all the cuts and deep, yep. deep ledges and all that kind of stuff. So exactly, no, it was awesome. It was fun. The property's amazing. The cabin's awesome. Right? Super cabin's comfortable. Dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dry. But no, I mean, it, it was fun. Look forward to more experiences out there, hopefully. And yeah. hopefully the season can continue, continue to be successful. There's more bucks to kill out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's at least four now. So, yeah. No, you're definitely welcome. And you're always, you're always welcome back, man. So... All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate the time. Uh, If you enjoyed the podcast, like subscribe. If you have any questions about it or want us to cover a a topic or want me or Chad or somebody else to to cover a topic a little bit more in depth, please write in. Just send me me Instagram, send me Facebook, uh, send an email to hellera90 at gmail.com. I can, I'll respond to all of them. And, uh, and hopefully get whatever guest you're looking for, whatever topic you're, you're looking for covered. Topics are easier than guests because especially right now during the rut, like pretty much anyone who's good at hunting is, is either spending time in the woods or, um, or sleeping. Like that's pretty much what they're doing. So, um, yeah, with that, I'll catch you all later and, um, best of luck during the rut, gentlemen and ladies. Shoot straight. Yeah. Yeah.